This is the Data Privacy Detective. It's October of 2023, and we're going to look at the month of September 2023. Boy, a lot happened. California adopted a new Delete Act. We're going to cover that later. But three big things we're going to talk about today. Delaware, a battle between California and Google that got settled, and the Digital Services Act in Europe that uh, already has a court decision. So we're going to jump right into it, and we're going to start with Delaware, America's first state. But now it's become the 12th state to adopt a comprehensive data privacy code. And with us to talk about it is Brian St. Amour. Brian, take us away. Yeah, so Delaware joined a, a number of other states here last month with their governor signing a new data privacy act for personal information. This law tracks kind of similar to the, the laws that it recently came out of Connecticut and Virginia, which focuses on, you know, control or process, you know, companies that control or process personal information of 35,000 or more Delaware consumers or 10,000 or more Delaware consumers if the company generates 20% or more of its gross revenue from the sale of that data. Interestingly, in this law, the kind of personal information definition is a little broader than what we've seen in, in most states. And it does include um, transgender status as kind of broadening, you know, the type of information that is considered uh, personal data. And then, you know, the, the law tracks what we've seen in those other states where it's requiring privacy notice and, you know, continuing the trend in the United States of kind of that notice consent type approach. And it, it is a positive improvement that it, it is tracking kind of those those newer laws out of Connecticut and Virginia. And then, you know, a couple other things of, of kind of critical note here is it's it's an up to $10,000, $500 per violation. And the consumer is defined as a resident of Delaware. So it, it also excludes employment information and information on individuals in a B2B context. So a, quite a bit narrower than what you, you see out of places, say, like California. It tracks some of the similar exemptions around government entities. And there are some limited exemptions for nonprofits, but, you know, definitely is, is much you know, broader law than, than what we've seen out of other states as well. And then what the, the rights give a consumer is the ability to kind of have some deletion rights and then opt out of the sale of that, that data. Brian, I have a question. Is there, you're talking about the rights of the consumer. Do they have the right to private action? They do not. So this, this law kind of tracks all other states except uh, California, where it requires the uh, enforcement to be done through the attorney general. And so there is no private right of action, which is which is also positive for businesses and just the challenges that that private right private right of action does generate. And then I think the last kind of yeah. piece ahead, of, of note is there is a little bit more protections for the for personal information for children. So they also follow similar to California with the 13 to 18 in tracking and providing some additional restrictions to that data. Hugo, you wanted to ask about nonprofits. Yes. So I know that you 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 mentioned nonprofits earlier. What other states have nonprofit exemptions other than Delaware? So or I'm sorry, California. Colorado is an, is another state that 
and Oregon both apply these privacy laws to nonprofits. I think what's interesting here in the Delaware laws, there's only two very narrow exceptions for nonprofits, and it's those nonprofits that are dedicated exclusively to preventing and addressing insurance crime, and for those relating to victims or witnesses of certain crimes, including domestic violence. Otherwise, all other nonprofits would be included um, under this act. And Brian, uh, you know, more than a a majority of our public companies in the United States are formed in Delaware. Are they automatically covered? They are not. And so um, there is no revenue threshold in the statute. Rather, you do have to hit those thresholds of the number of Delaware residents in order to kind of fall under the statute. 35,000, is that the number? Yeah, it's 35,000 or 10,000 if you derive more than 20% of your gross revenue from the sale of that information. From that. Okay, well, thank you for this tour of the 12th state to adopt a code, and we're seeing a real pattern here. You know, we'll see what happens. I'm sure it'll affect uh, ultimately a federal code. Let's turn though to California now. You go with Google uh, settled something out there. Big news. Tell us about it. Yes, they did. Thank you, Joe. Um, And thank you for inviting me back again. Google settled a CCPA violation brought by the California Department of Justice. The amount is a whopping 93 million. So if you remember last year, there was a Sephora action against Sephora. The amount is a lot more this time. And what really goes to the heart of this is location data that was used for profiling and advertising purposes on the Google platforms. Now, one of the allegations was this. And of course, it's an allegation. Um, Google was saying that, uh, uh, not Google, sorry. The California Department of Justice was saying that Google was deceiving users by collecting, storing, and using their location data to create consumer profiles and for advertising purposes without really informing the customer, or even if the customer said, hey, I don't want to be involved in this, they were automatically opted in. So specifically, Google was telling its users that it would no longer track their location once they opted out. But in fact, Google kept on tracking the user's movements uh, for advertisement, and that's allegations. And using this tracking of locations, uh, Google was creating this behavioral profiles of how users move so that then Google could figure out a way to, you know, advertise better. And unfortunately, regardless of whether the user would uh, say, no, I'm opting out, or whether they would go to the web and app activity uh, option on an app, it just didn't matter that even if they turn it off, information was still collected, Google still used it. So then the settlement, so then there there was a complaint and uh, uh, quickly this was settled. And the settlement amount was 93 million, but it's not just a money issue. There was also a couple of terms that uh, Google had to abide by to protect consumers. And this was Google agreed to show additional information to users when enabling location-related account settings, provide more transparency about location tracking, uh, provide users with detailed information about the location data that Google collects and how it is used through a location technologies page. So they have to have an explanation on their website now. Um, so that's pretty big. Uh, disclose the user's location information may be used for ad, ad personalization. So, you know, it's not just that they're using the information for the purpose of that, but it's also going to be used for advertisement. Uh, this wasn't disclosed. Uh, disclose 
to users before using location history data that they're building a profile and obtain review by Google's internal privacy working group of how these location tracking data and ad per personalization is impacting on an individual's privacy. So essentially a privacy impact assessment was now required. So again, this, this appears to go to the very key issues of what privacy goes to, which is a privacy by design, where you're supposed to, by default, protect the privacies of consumers or individuals, but Google instead has not really implemented a privacy by design model for their applications. Hugo, I have a question for you. Yeah. Obviously, Google is the one of the, the big companies out there, but how do you think this, this ruling is going to affect companies other than Google? That's a great question. And the answer is, it is really hard to tell, and it would be really reading through a crystal ball. But uh, what we can expect is that uh, the treatment of location data is going to become important for other companies that, that have their own uh, genuine technology of geolocation tracking. Most companies will most likely rely on Google's tracking. So that's what usually happens or another company's tracking. But if a company has a geolocation tracker, this is a great settlement to look at because it tells what the California law is really requiring from uh, companies that are tracking geolocation using their own technology. Uh, for example, location technology te technologies page. That is something that a company that tracks location through their own you know application uh, made in house should really think about. And another thing is. Uh, if that technology is used, you might need a pop-up on a website to say, hey, we're tracking. And also, by the way, we're using it for advertising. Uh, so being very clear that you know geolocation is now tied to a certain profiling is very important because before it wasn't so clear as long as you basically say, hey, we track you. Are you okay with it? Now it's we're tracking you because A, B, and C. One could be you know creating ads, creating profiles. Additional transparency and detail might be a more secure way of complying with the law. Well, thank you, Yugo. Yugo Nagashima, member like Brian of the Frost Brown Todd Data Privacy and Cybersecurity team. And by the way, listeners, uh, next week, October 12th, we'll release a podcast on mobility and data privacy, how your car is watching you, just as you should be watching your car. But let's jump to the third uh, bit of news from September. On September 27, 2023, the president of the European Union's General Court issued a split decision in a big battle between Amazon Store and the EU Competition Commission. So the European Court agreed that Amazon Store should not have to make public its ad library, at least for now pending a decision later on by the court about whether Amazon is or isn't a VLOP. Well, you heard me right, a VLOP. But it also ruled that Amazon does have to give to its users, even pending a decision about the VLOP status, whether the user wants to have profiled ads sent to them. And these two rulings together are merely uh, interim rulings pending a decision the court will have to make on whether or not Amazon Store is a VLOP. So we're going to learn what a VLOP is. What is that? We're going to explore that. And it comes from the European Union's Digital Services Act, which is now in effect 
for 450 million residents of the EU. Now, the EU Digital Services Act, along with the Digital Marketing Act, was adopted in 2022 as a binding regulation across all EU countries under EU law. The DSA, Digital Services Act, makes digital companies throughout the EU accountable for content posted on their platforms with the objective of an EU-wide approach to illegal content and disinformation. But it also calls for transparent advertising and other measures. And the EU has been phasing in these new binding rules, which will generally apply in January 2024. But for very large tech companies, the regulation is already law as of this August. In August, the DSA went into effect for 19 companies that the Antitrust Commission found to be very large online platforms or very large online search engines. And in late April, the EU named 17 companies as VLOPs. That's a very large online platform. And two as VLOSES. There's another one to learn. V-L-O-S-E. That's a very large online search engine. So a VLOP is a very large online platform, and the EU listed Amazon Store as one of 17 in the world that operates with enough people in the European Union to be called a VLOP. Okay, so Amazon goes to court and it says, we're not a VLOP, don't call us a VLOP. Uh, and it's that interim judicial relief that it shouldn't have to publish its library of ads that it uses to post ads to users, profiled users. And it didn't want to be required to give opt-out privileges to users who didn't want to receive profiled ads that Amazon creates and sends to them. Well, as I said, the court made a split decision here on an interim basis uh, that Amazon should go ahead and offer users right now the right to opt out of receiving profile-based recommendations, even before it would decide whether Amazon is a VLOP. The court found no proof there'd be any real harm, uh, certainly not irreparable harm, if Amazon would suffer by giving its users a choice. And so it Denied that interim relief. Well, what's going on here? And what can we learn from this early skirmish about the Digital Services Act? Well, the DSA is the world's first regulation requiring digital intermediaries in the European Union to be accountable for content posted on their platforms. Now, this is based on the idea of conditional liability that an intermediary, like a, a major website, uh, like perhaps Amazon Store, can host data from other services, but they're not going to be liable for content until they know it's illegal content. And then they have to remove it or face steep penalties. Very different approach, isn't it, from the United States basic approach, uh, immunizing basically intermediaries under Section 232 of the CDA. Well, Europe is highly sensitive about disinformation, given especially recent Russian efforts since the invasion of Ukraine to spread lies about European politicians that, European, uh, that Russia opposes. On September 30, for example, a Russian-supported candidate in Slovakia uh, won enough votes 
probably to become Slovakia's next prime minister on a platform that includes giving no more support to Ukraine against Russia's invasion. It was reported that in two weeks in September, there were 365,000 election-related disinformation images circulated in Slovakia, uh, just in two weeks. And Russian disinformation trolls were active at work, not just in Slovakia, uh, using false social network posts. One claimed that the Slovakia's president had secretly bought a vacation home in Egypt under his mother-in-law's name. Simply no truth to that. Another post said uh, a parliamentary candidate was dead of COVID. Well, he was very much alive and competing at the time. So Slovakia is just one example of how uh, false information can be spread from even outside the country. And it seems to be, have paid off in this case for President Putin of Russia. Well, this is a type of wrongful use of tech information, disinformation, that the DSA is aimed at stopping and holding platforms responsible for enabling it if they know that a post is false. Well, as I said, Amazon claimed that ordering it to make public its ads library would, would force it to reveal confidential proprietary information, put it at a disadvantage commercially. It claimed it's, uh, all of its activities would be harmed, and it shouldn't have to be to reveal its ad library pending the court's review of whether Amazon is truly a, a lot. Well, the court sided with Amazon that this is a a temporary measure only uh, about the one point, and it would decide in a final decision whether to order Amazon to make its ad library. But remember, the same court found no major harm by requiring Amazon even now to let its users opt out of Amazon's profiling them to issue ads tailored to them through the power of what we call recommender algorithms. Very interesting balance in this interim decision. Uh, the court noted that the DSA does not expressly forbid profiling-based recommender systems, but uh, GDPR generally and the DSA champion user choice. And so the court went ahead and said Amazon's going to have to inform users, uh, users and give them a chance to say, I don't want targeted uh, ads coming to me, and, and you just stop that right now little bit what we talked about with Google in California, a little bit. So what do we see here? We see the primacy in the EU of private and individual choice over the power of tech giants to develop their business and profile users and send them ads on a targeted basis without giving them the right to say, don't do that to me. And you can see here the privacy-centric basis of Europe's approach to data privacy regulations. And another point seldom thought of, it also reflects the pro-competition nature of the European Union, which is based on the driving concept of having a common single market in the EU that will not be dominated or controlled by monopolies or oligopolies. Here, privacy and competition win out over a giant's ability to crowd out competition for advertisers and customers at least those of 450 million residents of the EU. And remember, fines for DSA violations can be levied for up to 6% of a company's global revenues. You can see why Amazon is fighting this one. 
Well, the EU's list of 19 very large online platforms and two search engines, guess what those are? Well, you don't have to guess. It's Google and Bing. Google, far and away the big one, is a ready reference for the world's tech giants. You can earn a very large DSA designation by having 10% of the EU's residents. That's 45 million users making use of your platform or your search engine. So being a flop is the very opposite of being a commercial flop. But with size comes greater regulation and scrutiny, and you can see that in the court's ruling. Digital services certainly can make our lives easier. The World Wide Web can be an internet with its promise of worldwide community, but it also can become a splinter net with differing laws and rules. If online platforms, big and small, spread disinformation to the point that it's illegal, uh, this, this will surely increase demands for stopping that malice from spreading. Europe has decided there's a limit to freedom of communication. Europe, after all, does not have a First Amendment the way the U.S. does. And in this early contest about the Digital Services Act, at least one court has decided to side with individuals over tech giants, giving AU residents the choice whether they want to be targeted with ads based on their profile. Hugo, you had a question, I think. Yes. So as a blob or a bluse, once designated, there's there's a lot of responsibilities. You mentioned that they would have to share their ad library. What do you see from these companies that are designated as this, these very large entities? Do you expect them to leave the market? Fight, uh, they're obviously fighting in court, but if if the ultimate decision is that they are these very large online platforms or online search engines, how do you expect them to react to such regulation? Uh, is EU too big of a market to leave, or do you expect them to, for example, uh, you remember under the UK law where certain companies were forced, certain um, online platforms were forced to provide their information security standards. I believe it was Google, Amazon, who also refused to basically provide that or that they would just leave. Do you expect a move like that where there's going to be a game of chicken? Well, Amazon has spent huge amounts building its uh, enterprise and leaving at least 45 million users. That's at least behind saying, oh, we're going to quibble about this or that. I don't see it very likely. These are, after all, giants, and they're not just U.S. companies. There are some from China and elsewhere, and certainly from Europe, that are very large. So I think it's going to be tough to walk away, but a company can do that at great risk to its whole business model. I don't see it headed that way. We shall see. I will just say that very large uh, platforms and search engines uh, do have some things that only they must uh, meet and smaller, non-very large uh, online search engines and uh, platforms don't have to meet uh, within the DSA. But all platforms on essential points of the DSA will come into compliance or face similar problems starting January 1 of 2024. So I have a feeling we'll be coming back to these questions in our monthly date. Well, dear listeners, I will close us off on this one by reminding us all, as I always do, protecting your personal privacy begins with you.